0: Hey, thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today, we're talking about prayers and specifically how we can bring big, massive prayers to a big and massive God. And today, we're looking at the Old Testament character of Nehemiah and just looking at his prayer life. How did he develop vision for uh, his prayer life and how did God operate through his prayers and over his life. So without further ado, let's just jump right into this conversation. Whenever you write an article about prayer, I'm always really excited to talk to you about it. And this article in particular just seems so neat to talk about Nehemiah. I know this is a guy that you've, you've taught Bible studies about him and his prayer life. You've um, led our church staff through a lot of um, Nehemiah's life and the projects he's working on mm-hmm. in the Bible. And so what a cool guy to study today. Um, I was just curious, before we even jump into the discussion about prayer and Nehemiah's prayer specifically, Would you mind just kind of giving us some backstory about Nehemiah and his prayer to God for Jerusalem kind of to set up our conversation? Sure, yeah. It's actually kind of interesting that what we're discussing
1: from Nehemiah's life related to prayer because we're actually not going to be talking about Nehemiah chapter 1 where he prayed. Uh, Hmm. A very lengthy prayer to God for mercy and confessing the sins of Israel in their Mm -hmm. history and asking God to use him as the cupbearer to the king. So Nehemiah, he's a post-exilic character. That means that the people of Israel were carried into exile by the Babylonians and were there for a period of 70 years. And then King Cyrus uh, replaced the Babylonian kings and he issued a decree that people from Israel or of Israelite descent could go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Right. And uh, he would actually fund that enterprise. So 50,000 people almost went back to Jerusalem. And uh, they had some stutters and starts. and uh, But eventually, uh, through the encouragement of uh, Haggai and Zechariah, they Uh, finished the building of the temple. And that's when Ezra showed up and he began to teach the people Mm -hmm. as a priest and as a scribe how to serve God and how to worship Him and how to actually use this temple that they rebuilt. Mm -hmm. And so that went on for a little while. And that was what Nehemiah, when he, he was serving in a foreign kingdom under a king named Artaxerxes, and he had some friends maybe even a brother who returned from a visit to Jerusalem and he asked how's it going in Jerusalem mm-hmm. you know he'd heard about right. the rebuilding he'd heard about the new temple he may have even heard about Ezra and he wanted to know what what are things like there in Jerusalem and he was really discouraged with what yeah. he'd heard about uh, he heard about the the he basically heard that the city was in disrepair right. so even though the temple had been rebuilt. It was just very weak. Not a lot of people were actually living in the city. So Jerusalem was sickly, and it broke his heart yeah. that it still looked like the place that the Babylonians destroyed, you right. know, after they yeah. destroyed it. So he started feeling like maybe God would use him to rebuild the city. So he started praying about it. And Basically, he prayed a prayer of volunteerism to God (laughs) in chapter one by just saying, you know, God, I'm the king's cupbearer, so give me favor in the eyes of this man. And then a few months went by and he just kept brooding over the conditions in Jerusalem so much so that one day his sadness was seen by the king. It was illegal for Nehemiah to be sad in the presence of the king or to mm. show sadness. But the king said, why are you sad? And Nehemiah took the opportunity and he said, well, how can I be glad when the city of my forefathers and the of my forefathers graves lies in ruins? Mm. And the king said, oh, do tell, you know, and basically Nehemiah told him, you know, hey, it's Jerusalem, it's destroyed. And the king said, what do you want me to do? What's your request? And so Nehemiah prayed And then he asked. He asked this really big request from Artaxerxes. So really, Nehemiah isn't obviously praying to Artaxerxes. He's just making a request. He's been praying to God. But uh, I entitled this blog post, How to or Learning to Pray Massive, Clear Prayers for God's Glory. Because to me, by the time Nehemiah made his request to Artaxerxes, his prayer life had so dialed in mm. exactly what he wanted to see God yeah. do, and so when Artaxerxes said, "What do you want me to do?" there was nothing ambiguous or unclear about it. It was <laughs> yeah. just, "Here's what I totally. am asking for."
0: Yeah,
1: and and then Artaxerxes, you know, gave it to him, and I think Nehemiah walked away saying, "Thank you, God," not "Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Artaxerxes." Totally. So, you know. I think that's that. That's kind of the background, and that's where I'm coming from. And just thinking about the massive, clear requests oh, yeah. that we can learn how to pray in prayer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even hearing you talk about that, I'm always just so reminded about Nehemiah's compassion for that city, his desire to see people, um, you know, live in a city that's flourishing, that's God honoring, and everything. And one of the things you mentioned in the article, it's more towards the end of the article, but you talk about Nehemiah's vision. For Jerusalem. I know having vision is sometimes hard to have for people. Do you have any kind of insight in just looking at this story and just your life personally about how, like, how can we as people develop vision in our lives?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I think that one of the biggest obstacles to praying effectively is being unable to have a vision for God's kingdom. Yeah. Totally. I think, you know, people say, well, it's hard for me to pray for this reason or for that reason. But I think that one of the larger reasons why it's difficult to pray is because as long as you are focused on your kingdom, you will suffer through prayer Mm -hmm. because the wind of the spirit is not going to be with you Mm -hmm. as you're praying those prayers. Those self Focused self kingdom, yep. self glorifying, yep. small minded, mm. you know, only thinking about myself and my own little world and my own little successes and my own little ease. Mm-hmm. As long as that is the focus, prayer just dies because totally. God is not feeling that. He's not interested mm. in that. He hasn't asked for that. Nehemiah was praying for something that God was about. And he was praying not for the rebuilding of Jerusalem so that a book in the Bible could be written about him, <laughs> right. and that years later we'd be sitting here saying, Nehemiah was a stud. Yeah. you know he, was, he wanted that because he knew that people needed to be saved, yeah. that people needed to be spiritually healthy, that Israel was the evangelist of the nations, mm. and that without a thriving city, there'd be never a thriving temple. And so he wanted the city to thrive so the temple could thrive, so that the glory of God could be, you know, reverberating throughout the world from Jerusalem. So he was in it for one purpose only for the glory of God. And, you know, this is a constant struggle in the hearts of human beings. You know, we are constantly battling for uh, uh, the desires within. Are my affections more for? my success and my kingdom and Mm. my ease and my stuff? Or am I able to think about the kingdom of God and root for the kingdom of God and celebrate things that lead to the expansion of the kingdom of God? So... That's a huge part totally. of catching a vision for how to actually pray. You know, these yeah. are the massive, clear prayers that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, some would say Lear, learn how to pray massive, clear prayers, and it would be like you know, put that put that Lamborghini you know photo <laughs> on your refrigerator and you yeah. know, bring that to God over and over again. That has nothing to do with God's glory. It has mm. everything to do with your glory and your ease right. and your enjoyment. So. That is not what we're talking about in prayer. We're talking about looking out and seeing a world that is so broken, but being able to see beyond that broken world into what that world could like if it had all been touched by Christ, if a nation was touched by Christ, if a dictator was touched by Christ, Mm. if corrupt governments were touched by Christ, if... Those in poverty or those disenfranchised or those who are disadvantaged were touched mm-hmm. by Christ. What would yeah. happen if those who are in authority and power and abusing it were touched by Christ? To be able to pray in that kind of way, what would it look like if missionaries were raised mm-hmm. up for different pockets of our nation or yeah. our world or different communities? And to be able to pray, you know, along those lines to catch that kind of vision. And this is totally. why the full gamut of the body of Christ is so important because it is impossible for one mind, Mm -hmm. one human mind, one human mind. It is impossible for one human mind to see all the possibilities that are out there. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean I'm a just a pastor of a small local church, and the amount of ideas that I generate in my own mind, they're too much for even me to execute. Then you add on top of that well-meaning, good spiritual leadership within our church who mm-hmm. also have ideas. And it's impossible then to do all of those things. And yeah. then you take just the congregation and all the ideas and concepts of what if we did this and what if we did that? And you just cannot possibly keep up with all of it. But in prayer, as each one of us looks out at our corner of the world and sees things the way that we see things, to ask the question, what what does it look like for me to pray your kingdom come, right. your will be done on right. earth as it is in heaven. And it might be that it's grandiose, yeah, you know, some kind of massive, like I'm thinking of my friend Doug Souter in Fort Lauderdale mm. and the vision that God gave to him to see the foster care system just totally transformed yeah. in their community. And they've basically taken it over in one of the massive counties in the nation. Uh, or it could be very small in nature. It could be a relative, somebody that you are perpetually crying okay. out to God for them. You have a vision for what they could become, what they could do, yeah. but they don't see it themselves, but you're crying out to God for that to unfold in their lives. Yeah. They're stuck in some addiction or some sin or some intellectual, uh, you know unwillingness to consider God or obstacle that they've conceived in their own mind and to pray against that, to to have a vision for what would it look like if that changed. Yeah, yeah. So so how do you develop that? Well, I think you just start asking questions. You start asking what would it look like for Jesus Christ to have his way in fill in the blank. Yeah. And maybe it's a name of a person. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your children. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a ministry you're leading. Maybe it's a point of pain that you're seeing. Maybe it's a nation that you're you know, watching. I just added North Korea to my prayer mm-hmm. list recently, Yeah, you because know, it's just like That's everybody's good. thinking about them right now. And from what I've heard, it's just such a horrible, dark place to live. I feel so badly for the people yeah. that, that live there and mm-hmm. are under that oppression. And so thinking through what would it look like for the power of Christ to be released among the suffering masses wow. of
0: North Korea, yeah. you know, and just asking God to to do that work. Hmm. It seems like what I'm kind of gathering from you is that there's this, I and mean, when we're thinking about vision, it kind of comes in like maybe two huge steps. One is beginning to follow Jesus, fall in love with him, become, become passionate about what he's passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then two, it's like, let your imagination about what could happen expand mm-hmm. a little bit to God's imagination, and begin praying that those kind of things could happen. It feels like it's easy to have, a, like you said in the article, like a very small-minded perspective mm-hmm. in prayer. But if we can allow our, if we can allow God to expand our imagination to things that He could do, like only He could do, totally, then it's like, oh yeah, that's that's yeah. vision, and you yeah. know, pray for those yeah. things. I mean, if you really think about like Nehemiah's story, yeah,
1: how did mm-hmm. he? get that vision. Well, I don't think it really even came around for came from him sitting around just going like, What about all the cities on earth? And what would Mm -hmm. happen if he I think he basically just read the Bible. (laughs) You know, and I think that he read about the Davidic reign. Right. You know, and the building of the temple in Solomon's era. And he read about like Solomon went in, he prayed, he dedicated it to God and the presence of God fell upon that. Mm Room upon that place, and God was just doing amazing things until we wandered away from Him. And so, I think He caught the vision at least in part by just being a guy who was looking into the Bible and seeing what God had done in the past, you know. So, for us. It's easy.
0: Mm-hmm. Go read the
1: book of Acts, man. Straight, you, you know? <laughs> you see yeah. what it looks like when God's people are alive and revived Amen. and you your your yeah. vision is
0: being built for this is God working and moving. Yeah, yeah. that is so cool. So kind of think about vision, if we take a step down from that maybe and think about some of the like real clear things that Nehemiah was actually asking for. Mm-hmm. Like he had mm-hmm. this vision for Jerusalem, but when he approached the king, he had these very specific Things like you mentioned for the king to respond to, for us, when we're thinking about vision, h- how do we develop big things like to ask for so that that vision can be in place? Do you think it's good to bring things before God that are like specific, like steps, and just be like, God, would you just kind of lead me as we're pursuing this step? Or do you, you kind of what I'm getting at there? It seemed like Nehemiah asks like for. Very specific things. And uh, I don't know if you have any advice on like if we should just be planning as we're having vision and yeah. be like, all right, here's the plan, like commit that to God. Yeah,
1: yeah. So there's always a danger in uh, there's always a, the danger of becoming a person who just says, God, here is exactly what you must do. Right. And you kind of box God up in yeah. that kind of way. And of course, God will never embrace that. And he'll never (laughs) accept the box that we make for him. Um, So there's always that potential danger. And so we might react to that danger Mm. by then praying these really flimsy kind of muddled prayers where we're really not interceding. We're really not asking for anything in in particular. We're just more kind of saying like, you know, God, well, whatever you know, uh-huh. what, what, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to do, you know, kind of thing. And I think God appreciates when from our hearts, we really do feel that way, you know, mm-hmm. like, God, I am bringing, uh, you know, this point of pain in our community to you. And I'm praying for, you know, health, deliverance. I'm praying for the salvation of souls. Yeah. I'm praying for things like that. But whatever you want to do and however you want to do it, I think God you know is pleased with that kind of sentiment and heart. And then certainly when we're praying things that are a little bit more temporal or physical in nature, you know Jesus told us to pray for our daily bread. yeah so you know we, maybe we're praying for a healing or we're praying for a, a you know provision that's maybe a little bit more than just like a daily loaf of bread, you know yeah. kind of thing. But to be able to say to God in the midst of that, nevertheless, not as I will, but as You mm. will, I think that's a good thing for us to be able to do. Yeah, you know, you don't want to be like that rabid dog that just can't let go. You know, <laughs> it's like there yeah. comes a point where God will do something different than what you were thinking or seeing in your mind's mm. eye when you were crying out to Him about a specific subject or or issue, but. I think what we're trying to talk about today yeah. is not so much having a, an attitude of, Lord, whatever you want to do, but refusing to just go to Him in this murky, hmm. muddled, unclear kind of way, but maybe encouraging yeah. ourselves a little bit to, like Nehemiah, who over three months of time from the time that Hannah and I came and told him how things were going in Jerusalem to the time that Artaxerxes asked him what's wrong, during those three months, he had really formulated in his mind um, exactly what he wanted to see happen. Yeah. And so when it came time to make that request to a man, he was ready to say it very specifically. Yeah. You know, I want you to send me, I want you to fund it, and I want you to protect it. Those were basically yeah. the things that Nehemiah prayed for. So
0: hmm.
1: I think it's great. I think it is great to go to God with a specific request and to yeah. say God I'm I'm asking that you would do this thing. You know, I I've been praying since I started pastoring the the church here specifically hmm. for our mortgage as a church to be completely covered. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we Moved into this property, built a building, had a mortgage, then we bought additional land. And so the mortgage grew and a couple of rebuilding projects here and there. Mm-hmm. And the mortgage never really ballooned. God was always really providing, but yeah. it's grown. And so now we're at a point where I'm starting to I, it's not like the finish line is there but we're yeah. you know we're at like the $500,000 mark for this mortgage you know we're we're getting close yeah. closer than we've ever been yeah, to God. seeing this paid <laughs> off you know and and I have specifically probably almost every year for the last 4 or 5 years I've I've asked the Lord Lord would you pay off this mortgage by mm-hmm. the end of this calendar year that's been like a request that I've yeah. had before the Lord and obviously, you know, in 2014, 15, 16, that did not occur. Mm-hmm. It's 2017. There's still time on the clock. <laughs> That's right. You know, I like and that. I just trust that God has His plans. He has His purposes. Mm-hmm. I can look back, even now, from my very limited vantage point, and see how, in 2015 or in 2016. Because the mortgage was not all the way paid off, I can see how it's been good for us as Mm. a church. I think it's been really great for this current generation of the church to bear that load and to have that responsibility. So I can see great things that God has done. His wisdom is perfect in all of this. But... You know, to specifically pray, I I think that it's a good thing for us to set our minds yeah. upon. You know, mm-hmm. rather than just maybe more of a nebulous, you know, please provide kind of prayer, but specifically, right. Lord, here's something that we're trying to oh, tackle. God. Would you do this for
0: us? I love that. I feel like I've really seen that, especially in our like staff prayer meetings and pastor meetings. That's been something you've really encouraged us in, and I know that's been something huge for me, especially with me and my marriage praying for just very specific things and asking God, like, would you please just move in this kind of way? We want to see you do this, you know, and how that's been very faith. It's done something for my faith and for Chesley's faith. I know for our, for our staff too, it's been yeah, yeah. radical. Like you were just mentioning, it's so good. Totally. And,
1: you know, we, we
0: obviously believe that
1: prayer is not 100% request making and yes. interceding. Yes. You know, we believe that. Glad you said but that. we would be such fools to say that it's not a major part of what prayer is. <laughs> I mean, if you look in the Bible, yeah. a really big part of prayer. I mean, obviously there's fellowship and there's yep. con- there's confession yep. and adoration and praise but a massive part of god's invitation for human beings to come and seek him in prayer yeah. is to petition mm-hmm. and to ask and to intercede. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, you know, there have been times where I don't know that I've ever interrupted one of our like pastoral <laughs> prayer meetings and said like, "What are you asking god to do? I am not I don't yeah. know what you're asking." I don't think I've ever done it during a meeting, but I know that I've before or after a prayer meeting just said, "Guys, I think we could improve at yeah. um, really asking the Lord yes. in, in faith, having something in our minds that we are saying, God, we want to see you do this. Would you do this? Like, don't yeah. be afraid of that. And if the Lord has something else that he wants to do, then great. That's yeah. fine. We trust mm-hmm. him. Not our will, but his will be done. Like, we're so good with that.
0: But let us not be guilty of not asking. Amen. Yeah, those have been the times I remember too, like... Kind of narrowing in from the nebulous prayer down to the Mm -hmm. more like intentional prayer. (laughs) Kind of speaking about that, I I was curious what you thought about if we could just kind of transition into me speaking to like a pastor for a moment, and how can a pastor lead their staff, their church, into praying big, clear prayers? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think
1: you know, for me, pastoral work is so much. Leadership work. Right. Mm-hmm. And leadership work to me begins in your personal prayer life mm-hmm. because it's there that you see things that you want to have happen, mm-hmm. you know, and that you are praying to God for. And I don't know, there's something about it, like just in the day to day, you know, stuff of, of, operating in a church, leading a church, it can be really easy to kind of get your eyes off of what God is really wanting to do. yeah. And the real mission, Uh you know, you can just kind of get consumed with like a bunch of emails and little projects, (laughs) you know, different things (laughs) that, you know, are are a lot of times good and necessary and just kind of covering your bases and being responsible and, and all that kind of stuff. But when you're in prayer... You know, it's just it's just so so hard to pray. Like, Lord, help me respond to all my emails today and clear out my inbox. You know? Yeah, it's just like, oh, I don't. Maybe, Lord, help me be more organized right, or something right. like that. But in prayer, it just seems like it's easier to pray. Like, Lord, revive your people. Yeah, Lord, mm-hmm. help people to know who they are in Christ. Lord, save those who are lost, yeah. you know, it's so much easier to pray that way. And then when you're praying that way, what you're really praying is you're praying more closely to the stuff that God is about. Mm, I love so that. then that gets into your DNA better. And it helps you then go to your team or the people that you're leading within your fellowship and just say like, hey, you know, how we decorate the nursing mom's room is like, kind of important, but not as important as... This great mission that God has for us. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, this is is, uh, helpful. So then, you know, you're asking like just advice for how to not lead from prayer, but how to incorporate prayer Mm, more into your your teams. You know, I think that to pray together with the key leadership within your church on a regular basis is one of the most valuable things that you could do Mm -hmm. in leading a local church because it... Cultivates unity. Yeah. It releases the power of God. Uh, it helps clarify vision and mission. It helps you have a dependence upon God rather than a fleshly, organizational, man made mm-hmm. dependence. Uh, it helps you walk the balance of our effort and what we do, but then God's effort and God's power and what He only can do. Yeah, And you know, it just, it's so good for cultivating that. So I'd encourage you to have a time, uh, preferably weekly, uh, but maybe monthly, that you gather together with the key leaders within your church and lead them in a time of prayer. And then from time to time, you know, maybe you'll find different pockets for that that are larger, you know, where maybe it's a broader group of leaders Mm -hmm. that you're praying together with. You know, obviously, once a prayer meeting gets to a certain size, it kind of loses a little bit of its intimacy, and people can't involve themselves as much, you Mm -hmm. know, because there's only only so many minutes in a prayer meeting, only so many prayers are going to be out loud prayed, you know. So
0: just go for it. Yeah, that's good. Well, we're kind of running towards the end of our conversation, Nate, but I would love just for a moment, just to kind of even narrow it down a little bit more, just speaking to Calvary Monterey, just to our church, is there anything on your heart that you would just encourage our church to be praying for? Are there some big prayers that you would just be like, man, I just want to see our church just throw themselves into this kind of prayer for this specifically. Yeah. Well, I mean, this wouldn't be the
1: first thing that I would bring up, but I, I already mentioned it. You could pray that we would get to the point where this first mortgage mm, that our yeah. church has is completely paid off um, and ask God to 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 do that for us. You know, we're faithfully just trudging along and making those payments doing extra principal, all that kind of stuff, trying to get it crushed and, and done but mm-hmm. asking God for miracles to be able to do that you could pray for that and the, and the reason for that is because then there's more opportunity there's yeah. there's more that we can then release for God's work and kingdom you know here on earth so rather mm-hmm. than you know making a big mortgage payment every month we can do other things yeah. basically so you could pray for that and then i think also to pray for uh, when we gather on Sundays, to pray for the soil of every mm. every heart that's there, yeah. that they would be soft and receptive and prepared. Because what we're asking for, and this is how Paul always asked for prayer. He always asked yeah. that the churches would pray for him, that he'd be able to be bold and clear in proclaiming the word. So you could pray that for for me and for anybody else handling the scripture in this fellowship for boldness and clarity. But the reason he prayed for that, 2 Thessalonians, is so that the word of God could be unchained, that it could run. Mm. And so what we're praying for with people's hearts is is that the word of God would be able to be unchained and run Mm. in their lives. And when it does, you know, then it's like, in a sense, when you're praying for the soil of people's hearts to be ready and receptive, it's like you're praying for marriages, you're praying for children, Uh you're praying for families, you're praying for uh, those who are single, you're praying for everybody Mm -hmm. in the church at whatever stage or station of life they're in, because the Word of God is going to get in there and help them
0: navigate the waters of their own lives. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. If you're looking for some more content from Pastor Nate, please head over to nateholdridge.com. You can find a ton of podcasts there, articles that Nate is working on, and teachings that he gives at his home church, Calvary Monterey, and online. Also, while you're online, please consider going to the iTunes store or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. And please leave a rating and review. That would help us out a ton. But until next time, God bless you. We'll see you soon.